and welcome to the Seeing Deep Podcast, where we see deep in a shallow world by exploring our surrounding culture through a biblical lens. This month, we've been discussing how to be brave. And this is so important today when we have been living in a culture so filled with fear due to COVID. Today to help us with this discussion is Katie Westenberg. Katie is the author of I Choose Brave, Embracing Holy Courage and Understanding Godly Fear. Katie is first a follower of Christ, a wife, and a mom growing faithfully alongside her four children. She believes boldly in the transformative power of faith in Jesus Christ. As an author and speaker, she teaches women to grow a robust theology of who God is, become students of scripture, and learn to live that truth out with courage. She serves a thriving community of women at www.ich brave.com and makes her home in the lovely Pacific Northwest. Welcome to the show, Katie. Denise, thank you for having me. Oh, it is such a joy. The scripture for this episode is Psalm 27, verse 2. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I love the word stronghold in this sentence. We often think of a stronghold in a negative way as this insurmountable struggle with sin that it has on us. But here it is used in the context of our God, who is the stronghold of our life, and he has us. Some translations render the word stronghold as defense. It is the Hebrew word mawoz, which means place or means of safety, protection, refuge, stronghold. And the theological workbook of the Old Testament describes strongholds in this way, natural and man-made places of safety that can be designated by this word, such as a mountain, a harbor, cities, a temple. These strongholds, in sharp contrast to God, are not invincible, but are rather subject to destruction. There is no greater protection than God. Those who know God can still be given over to fear. Katie, why do you think this is? You know, Denise, it's a great question. I I think it is because of the rampant nature of our fears. Just as we talk about low-grade anxiety, I think most of us exist with low-grade fear at at all the times. Just when we're running at our operating speed, just the nature of motherhood or marriage or our finances, when the world is mostly ticking like it should, when we look toward the horizon of the future or look through just the various dangers of cancer or any of those things impacting our lives, there's a low grade fear of those things happening that we naturally are able to operate with. But then they really are taken to a whole new level when the world turns upside down and they that can impact us specifically or globally like when we're in a pandemic. When things um, change abruptly, and we don't really have an operating manual with which to address these things. We we don't know how our parents have done it before us because they haven't. We haven't seen how this was done in the past. We don't have a book or a manual on how to um, navigate mask discussions or distancing discussions or vaccine discussions or when education for our children is turned upside down. So all of a sudden, we're in a new arena that we don't have protocol for. And even if we thought we've been managing fear correctly in the past, when those things affect us acutely, our response changes without our hardly even realizing it. Like this is real and this is scary. And how do I adapt here? So we really feel the emotional response to that before we even know what to do with it. Mm. Well, you know, I, I think that it is like a reflex. I think sometimes we don't even realize it is ingrained in us. We grow up with certain patterns that we learn. It might be in our home. It might be in our culture around us. 
And we need to reinform ourselves, if you will, uh, with the word of God and realize that we don't need to fear anything. Um, and, and I think it's the reality of death really is what a lot of people fear. And that's something this month that we have talked about is a lot of times people um, live in fear of death to the point that it, it just paralyzes them. It limits their lives. And I believe that just goes to every other fear we have. And we have to ask ourselves, is it rational? Is it even a fear that is realistic? And so, so oftentimes, I think if we would just come and bow down and lay that fear down before God and say, God, you know, I, I don't know why I'm afraid of this. Can you reveal the root of it? And can you help me not to react or re just be so reactive automatically in that way? Um, so every book has a story behind it. What made you want to write this book? So I think it was the convergence of what we talked, what we just talked about, those, those fears that we can kind of tuck away and maybe talk ourselves out of. And then that point in life where we hit the thing that's really immediate and scary, and that does change things. So as we're growing up, some of us have that happen in earlier, earlier in lives than others, but sometimes we just kind of cruise along at, um, I guess you could call it a cruising altitude where we can, we can bootstrap these fears. We can talk ourselves out of these fears until something really challenging and really scary happens. And we think, no, I, I can't face this on my own. So for me, that was a high risk and complicated pregnancy where I could, you know, you, you can't on your Pollyanna lens and make this okay. This is a really life or death situation for my child. And is uh, what I believe to be true about God when the sun is shining true about him when it rains? Can I just convince myself that this is all going to be okay? Or what if it's not, then what? What is true about God in that situation? So that, that's really where this place, this book came from. But it also took some years of processing that and learning from that situation. So this pregnancy for me was now 14 years ago. And, um, and I, I think that's important because it's not in every moment, moment, just walking through that trial with the Lord, that the light shines so clearly like, oh, I know how to do this. I'm going to take a 90 degree pivot or maybe a 180 degree pivot and walk the right way. But it's in the grief and in the lament and in the healing that we really begin to know who God is. So that was a longer process for me than it is for some. When we try to avoid the process, we are avoiding godly character and interaction with God that is precious. And even in the hardest places of my life that I would have never would have thought would have been part of my story, it was in those places that when I was raw and real and just got on my knees and said, God, I can't do this. When I finally was able to just admit that, then there was this peace that really was unexplainable you know, but I appreciate your sharing some of your story there. So what is the truth about fear? Well, I would say the first thing about fear is that it's real. Okay. So sometimes we want to, mm -hmm. we have this truth bias where we want to believe something is true. And if I just talk myself out of it, there's really not, you know, you hear that noise when you're at home alone, alone at night and you hear that creak outside and, and you have that innate feeling in your stomach, like something's wrong. Okay. It's probably not, it's probably the cat. And so we tend to believe what we want to believe about the situation, 
But when we meet a situation that's truly scary, okay, our kids are in danger, our lives are threatened, we're facing imminent death, any of those situations, we can recognize that this is scary. This is a scary situation. And fear is not necessarily a bad thing. I think we've been trained to believe that it is. But if I am out on a boat and thinking about swimming in the ocean and there are sharks pooling around me and I feel a bit of fear, that's a healthy thing, right? So I think Mm. it's to stare it down first and think, okay, God has given me this emotion sometimes to protect me, but mostly to direct me, okay? So I'm going to choose in that. Am I going to fear the things horizontally or am I going to do what he's called me to do repeatedly throughout the Old Testament and new? Am I going to fear him? So when those fears come in and I see them horizontally, I am scared for my children in the future. I am scared of what tomorrow is going to look like or how we're going to pay the bills. I feel that. That's real. I can acknowledge that for what it is. But then instead of figuring out all the ways I can fix it or deny it or change it, I can have that conversation that you were talking about with God. This is where I am, God, and I want to fear you. I want to believe that you are my provider. I want to believe that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So when I look at scripture and know your character through that, I can believe that for now. So it's turning those fears from what is horizontal to what is vertical. Mm, Love that. And you know, I like how you say staring it in the face and admitting that it's real. Um, I remember one night uh, when it was just my children and I, and I felt this strong impression to pray against the strong man and the intruder. And I I don't randomly ever get that, okay? And it was I prayed until four in the morning. It was I, I, kind of hard to explain, but I knew there was something wrong. Well, a neighbor saw a man standing at the end of my driveway at one o'clock in the morning. And the next morning, uh, there was a robbery across the street. And another friend called and said, God led me to pray. And she prayed the exact words I prayed. And I realized in that moment, we were under real fear. It was real. But I believed God. I believed he was my protection because that's what he says in his word. And I think that's the crux of the matter. Are we going to believe the fear? Even if it is real, it doesn't mean it is bigger than God. Or are we going to believe that God is able? And, and I think that's where it's hard sometimes. You know, we can get intimidated. You know, you mentioned how fear roots itself in our lives. How does fear take hold of our lives? The mind is a funny thing and we become... Um, obsessed with what we stare at, really. We worship what we look at, okay? So right now I'm working through, I homeschool my kids, but we're Mm -hmm. looking at different educational solutions and different routes we can go for the next year. And I know a lot of moms are because schooling is different this year and everything's kind of been turned on its head, but it's easy. The longer we stare at that, And the more information we take in and the more I kind of elevate myself in that position, rather than staring at the Lord, it becomes all consuming because what if we make a mistake or what if we choose, choose incorrectly, or what if we didn't explore this option? And I realize that this is kind of becoming an idol in my life. This is me saying, can I control this? So, so when our mind takes over and all those options and all that worldly input comes in and this is good, and this is what I need to value. And this is what I need to value. And when I don't stop and ask the Lord, 
what do you have here? I prize what you want for my children, Lord. I want to follow you here and all the noise in the world and all the voices and all the input of what I should be valuing for my children. So it's really just that proper alignment because our, our heads and our hearts can spiral really quickly and, and our emotions feed into that. So it's, it's when you feel that and when you sense that, and I feel like the more we do this, the better we get at it. We can sharpen our reflexes here. So just as with this complicated pregnancy, I felt like I was slow in learning that. It took me years to process, this is what to do. This is what I want to do here. But um, after you've developed that habit, the reflexes get quicker. When we see that spiral happening, we can stop. Just like you said, when you're feeling that emotion in the middle of the night, like I need to pray right now is where I'm going to stop. In a minute, I'm going to talk to God about this situation. And that becomes quicker. We can turn our fear to the Lord versus what we're looking at. Mm, well, thank you for sharing that. I'll tell you, it is so easy to get distracted by the noise that you talk about. And I, I homeschooled for 23 years and five kids. So I know that there's also a lot of noise just in ordinary life. And it's, so I, I understand when you say you're homeschooling and yet you're directing your children's hearts and your heart to say, okay, well, let's tune out the noise and let's tune into God. And that is a beautiful thing that we all can do. You know, it isn't just for some people who can do that. That's for all people. God is inviting us. So I've heard it said that the fear of God extinguishes all other fears. I believe this can be a reality, yet many Christians are not living into that reality. Katie, what can you share on this? How is it that fearing God can help people to stop fearing other things? You know, I believe, Denise, this is when our theology, what we believe to be true about God becomes more than just an idea or something we could discuss with someone or something we could write down on paper and something we live, right? Because when I am fearing all those other things, I'm essentially saying, I don't believe God is big enough to provide for me here. I don't believe that he is sovereign over pandemics or elections or all these other things. And when we when we twist that statement around and look at it from that direction, um, I think most of us can't agree with that. I can't agree that God's not big enough. That's not who he is. That's not the character of him. So it's really putting our theology into our everyday. And, you know, I really experienced this when I wrote this book after I, you know, I'd never written a book before. This is my first book, my first experience. So anytime we move into a new circle, there's a bit of trepidation and what does this look like? And so I'm this mom who's homeschooling. And really that's my heart to do that well at home, that that's a full-time job enough. And this book launch is coming up and it, it kind of seems like a big mountain that I have to do. We have to do these interviews and all these things I've never mm. done before. And I'm kind of wondering how this is going to fit into my normal life. Am I still going to be able to keep a clean house and make dinner? Like, is this really possible or are we just <laughs> off the deep end here, right? So I was talking to one of my friends and saying, I kind of have, and I, I don't tend to be a naturally nervous person, but I, I have this ball of nerves in my stomach and I'm not sure if it's going to go away for the next couple months. I'm kind of wondering, is this, is this what this looks like now? I just have this ball of nerves. And, and this is where we need the important, we have the importance of good friends to sharpen us. And she said to me, I'll ask you one question, Katie, what are you believing to be true about God in this moment? And mm. it took one question. This is the sharpening of the reflexes when we realize we're off track. And I was almost brought to tears in that moment because I, I knew the truth was I'm believing he's not enough to sustain me in this season. I'm believing he's not mm. enough to provide for my family or to provide for all these new interviews and things I'm not used to doing. I, I'm saying by my very practical theology that I don't believe you're enough for me here, God. 
and that's a horrible, like that's not, that's nothing to do with what I believe, but I'm acting like that's true. So to be convicted in that moment and believe absolutely God, you are enough and start declaring truth and give, rather than giving way to these feelings and, oh, how are we going to do this? And there's another thing on the calendar. No, stop, stop right now and give that to him. And that ball of nerves was gone. And it doesn't mean that it's, it's still not intimidating to do interviews or have a full calendar for a certain season, those things. But I can every single time take that to him and say, no, God, you are enough here and you provide enough. And so I'm going to believe that with every, every, um, interview we put on the calendar every day. I feel like this might be a lot for this season. And at the same time, I mean, I, the God, the Bible says that there is God gives a heritage to those who fear him. My kids are seeing me do this. They're seeing me live this out in real mm-hmm. time. So what an awesome opportunity to say, yeah, I might, it might look like this is a mountain, like men over my head, but I'm going to believe God here. Hold my hand and we're going to walk through this together. Mm, right there, that question is something so key for all of us. So you guys listening today, what are you believing about God in this moment right now in your life? I know it's so easy to get wrapped up around just so many problems that we face in this life, but God wants to be the answer to those. He is the answer. And while we run around trying to find life in other things or try to fix our problems, I know I can be a fixer of problems myself. God wants to know what we are thinking that He can do. He can do abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine. Thank you so much for being with us, Katie. We're going to have you back next week to finish this discussion. But can you please share with our listeners how they can find you? Yes, absolutely. I'm online on Instagram is where I stay the most active under I Choose Brave. And I do a little bit on Facebook also under I Choose Brave. And you can find the book on Amazon, on um, Barnes & Noble, basically anywhere books are sold. Mm. So friends, if you're tired of fear limiting your life, join us again next week for part two of our conversation with Katie as she shares on how to be transformed from a fearful person to a brave one. You've been listening to the Seeing Deep podcast where we dive into the word of God for the answers to life's problems. 